The Car Mom was started by Kelly Stump in June of 2020. Kelly's been around the automotive industry her whole life. Her family owns a group of dealerships in the St. Louis area. She began her career in the industry in 2016 as a client advisor at BMW of West St. Louis. Kelly fell in love with sales and knew she had found her calling in life. Kelly had her first child in 2019 and realized the only job harder than 65-hour work week in automotive sales is being a stay-at-home mom. Fast forward to 2020, the coronavirus pandemic hit and Kelly was pregnant with baby number two. Kelly thought, it's hard enough to take my one child to the grocery store right now. I can't imagine moms having to go to a car dealership during this. She thought, what if I used my resources and knowledge to review cars for moms so they don't have to waste time going to every dealership? And that's when the car mom was born. Today, I get to sit down with Kelly to ask her all about her mission with the car mom. We talk about how to make a good purchase, the vitality of choosing a good salesperson, what to look for in your first family car, what her favorite cars are right now, and her advice to moms who want to be entrepreneurs too. I am so excited to have Kelly, the car mom with me today. I've been following her for a little over a year now, and I feel like I've learned so much. So Kelly, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. So I want to know a little bit about your background. I know from following you, but for anyone who doesn't know how you got into this industry and, um, and then also, I would love to know about how you decided to start your YouTube channel and your Instagram. Sure. So I have actually a pretty unique background as far as like the auto space is concerned. So I was raised in a dealer family. So my grandpa and his brother started a used car lot in 1957. Wow. And then my, my dad and his brother grew the franchise to a multi-store franchise with up to six different brands. And then I started a blog. So I'm sure they're yeah. so excited, but I was literally raised in the car business. It's been my whole life. And I decided to, um, to start the car mom. So, so when I graduated college, I went into working into the auto business. I've been in the auto business ever since I love everything retail automotive. And when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I was kind of, you know, doing the dance of, Oh my gosh, like, should I quit my job? Should I start staying at home? Like, well, you know, what exactly am I doing? I can't really sell cars with kids because the hours are so demanding. I love selling cars and communicating with people. And then I can almost like not even take credit for the idea because I was just so clearly sitting on my porch one day with my husband. And I just described it that like, God just put the idea in my head. And as soon as it happened, like I just saw the whole vision and I was like, Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And every day he's continued to feed it and give me inspiration. And like, I really wish I, I feel like I can't even take credit for it. I just really feel like the idea was just given to me. And it was so crazy when it happened because I felt like everything that I'd ever done, like finally all clicked and connected. Cause you know, for a while, like when I was 22 years old selling cars, I was like, this kind of sucks. And I, I really grinded <laughs> for a lot of years and then I became a mom and I was like, wow, this is really hard too. And it was just like all the things, the two hardest things that I've ever done in my life, selling cars and becoming a mom, like came together in a way that was just so easy and fun for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to do this. That's awesome. Yeah. And it seems like it's just a total natural passion for you. So your YouTube, did that come before or after the Instagram blog? 
So when I first came up with the idea for the Carmel, I originally wanted to start on just YouTube, but mm-hmm. honestly, I just felt like, so I had like recorded a video and I was like trying to figure out how to edit the video. And it just seemed, it was really hard to kind of start. And I was like, you know what, this is too much. Like, I just need to start. Cause I was like, I was so worried about, I didn't have the right camera. I didn't know how to edit a video and I didn't know how to like do all of these things. And I was like, well, I know how to use Instagram. So like, let's just do it. Let's just start it on Instagram. Cause I could start that today. Yeah. So I just made, so after, I, and I never even had posted anything on YouTube. I was just trying, I had filmed one tour and I had spent time trying to edit it for YouTube. And once I just hit too many roadblocks, it just stopped. And then I went on to do Instagram. But the problem with Instagram was, you know, one of my goals was to be able to do the car on full time. And obviously that takes some money or some ways for your content mm-hmm. to be monetized. And Instagram yeah. was just a little frustrating to me in the beginning because they never monetized any of my views. So to me, I feel like I would, I would get frustrated because I would get a babysitter. I would get a camera person. I would get two car seats. I would line up a car. I would do all this work to bring this amazing car tour. I would edit it. I mean, I would do everything. And then just to throw it up on Instagram was just a little, it was a little frustrating. So we switched to YouTube in January um, one for the monetization, but also I just think that the Instagram platform, the YouTube platform is a lot better for video content. Um, yeah. and YouTube can also be used more as a search engine. So that was another reason why we made the switch on the car tours to YouTube, because if you were just to go to my IGTV, you couldn't search anything. You just had to look through all of them. So yeah. I like, I like using the platforms in tandem, but I, I'm, I'm happy we made the switch to YouTube for, for the tours. Yeah. I think it's a great place also to find, to have people find that really valuable information, which is what I want to ask about next. So why moms and why do you feel passionate about teaching moms about making car decisions? You know, I think um, when all my friends started to become moms, people would constantly reach out to me because I was working in the car business and just Mm -hmm. asking like, Hey, what's a good mom car? What's a good mom car? And when I was on all those mom Facebook groups that I'm sure a lot of us are on, they were always, people would always ask, what's the best mom car? What's the best mom car? And I was like, how does no one know? Like, is there a best mom (laughs) car? Is there a best mom car? And I, I've never, I mean, it's so funny. I love cars. Like I'm a car person, but I'm not your typical car person. Like I don't really put a lot of emphasis on like, um, performance or anything like that, but I'm really passionate about the comfort features. I love comfort features. And I spend a lot of time in my car as do a lot of mothers, um, right. So and the cup I, holders and-, and the cup holders. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet other people think this is important too. And just no one's, and frankly, no one else was doing it. No one else was talking to moms. And I think that, you know, one of the big inspirations for starting the car, one of my big goals was I just wanted to be able to show moms the cars and just kind of give them like a first look. So instead of worrying about making like the final decision for them. I was like, well, what if I could just take cars on and off their list? Because I know as someone in the business, how hard it is to go to a dealership and meet a sales guy and give them your driver's license and have them call you for 90 days and have the, you have yes. to meet the manager and you get pressured in these payments. Also, you could see that your shoulder doesn't even fit in the trunk. So I was like, what if I could just like take their list from five to three? That's two afternoons I could save a mother, which like how valuable is that time to mothers? So, so valuable. That's kind of why I did my focus mainly on moms. I love it. I love it. And I think that is so true. Like if I look at my husband and myself, anytime there's a car purchase that we need to make over the last 10 years, really 12, because we were, we dated for two years before we got married. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that are important to him are vastly different than the things that are important to me. I want it to, like you said, be comfortable. I want really, you know, quality 
little, I don't know what you even call them, accessories, things like the car, the cup holders. Mm-hmm. And I want good trunk space. Now that I'm a mom, I want good trunk space for strollers. And he cares way more about like horsepower. I couldn't tell you to save my life what the horsepower is on either of our cars. <laughs> I have no idea. But, you know, things like that are really important to him. And he's obsessed with cars. And I'm like, as long as it gets me right where I want to go comfortably. And if there's like a seat heater, that's great. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, just the things that matter to us are very, very different. But I love that you share that content. And I I really want to get into some of that. So so you said there is there even a perfect car for a mom? So talk to me about that. What do you use to kind of narrow down? Like, is this a good mom car or not? Well, you know, I've been really careful and mindful to not put out like a top 10 list or here's the best mom car just because mothers families come in all shapes and sizes. So it's really hard to be like, Oh, this is the best mom car because then I'm leaving out. You know, if I tell you that the Yukon's the best mom car, well, then I'm leaving out like, you know, the smaller family in New York city who could never park a Yukon like that. And if I tell you that like the minivan's the best, then I'm leaving out the person who has to haul a camper on the weekends and needs the towing. So I, it's really, everyone buys a car for different reasons. Now I think when I'm reviewing the car, I'm not really looking for like which one's the best, but I'm just trying to like slow down and really look at the functionality of the car. I think a lot of other car reviewers love to talk about like all the bells and whistles. And it's not that I don't like those features, but if you strip out all, even all the technology and you just look at how the vehicle functions, like where do you put your water bottle? Where would you put like your emergency diaper bag? Is there a place you could put money, muddy shoes in the trunk? Can you access a third row with a car seat? Like I just try to look at more of the functionality of it. Yeah. And highlight that vehicle's functionality. Because I mean, really, it's it's so difficult to tell you which car I like best because it's also it's not just size of family, it's ages of kids. And then it's ultimately budget, how long you want to keep the car for. And mm-hmm. at some point, like it just kind of comes down to looks. Like if I have a lot of families who have two kids and you know, you can fit any, you could basically any car can fit two kids. So then it's like there's so many other follow-up questions I have to have to be able to suggest a good car for them. Right. So not to, not to avoid the question, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult to answer. I totally understand that. Well, what are some of the things that, you know, going back to your conversation with your girlfriends as they're starting to have babies. And I remember for sure being in that position too, where it was time to sell my little Acura TSX. And I was so sad about it because I loved it. But I was like, there's no way I I was obsessed with strollers. I had Mm -hmm. like four strollers before I had my baby, my first (laughs) baby. And I feel a little bit like you do when people say what's the perfect stroller I'm kind of like well what do you jog do you, where do you live I know you I go on public I'm, transportation I'm, do you like there's just so many questions are you gonna have mm-hmm. more than one kid so going back to that you know conversation that you started having with a lot of your girlfriends as they started having cars what do you tell moms are, are there is there like a list of things that you want to look for that maybe that first time mom isn't even thinking about yes um, I would say the biggest mistake that I see first time moms and families make when it comes to buying like their quote unquote mom car mm-hmm. is that they just don't forecast their family's growth and newer vehicles are so expensive. I mean, they're so expensive. Even if you don't buy brand new, even pre-owned vehicles are expensive. So when you're yes. buying a car that costs tens of thousands of dollars, a lot of families need to make it affordable. So they, they do monthly payments, right? And when you do monthly payments, sometimes lenders will offer things like extended financing terms or no money down. So, so everything just seems more affordable. Problem is, is that cars are such depreciating assets. So a lot of families get in the situation where like they trade in their Acura and they're like, okay, we're going to buy this Honda Pilot. We love it. We're going to finance it for 72 months, but it's my mom car. I'm going to have it for forever. 
And I asked them, well, how many more kids are you going to have in 72 months? And where's everyone going to sit? And just, Mm -hmm. oh, well, what's the third row? We've got so much room. Okay, well, can you fit a car seat in the third row? Are you going to fill the rear-facing car seat in the third row? If you're going to have two rear-facing car seats in the second row, how are you going to get to the second row? Is the kid going to climb over the seats? Okay, if he climbs over the seats, how's he going to buckle himself? Are you going to be able to... So just Mm -hmm. like you have to... If you're going to get into... If you're going to finance a vehicle for several years, you have to make sure it grows with your family. So I really think the biggest thing I tell my following is you have to go bigger than what you need right now. Yeah. Like I totally, I totally get wanting to get a newer car before you become a parent because cars have such great standard safety features on them. They're so much safer than it's so much safer than your vehicle that you had from college. So if you can upgrade, I suggest it, but just don't think that like that Jeep Cherokee is good. Just because it has five seatbelts does not mean it's a five passenger car. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? This is one of the things that took me having three kids to figure out is we had, um, SUVs that had bucket seats. And it was so annoying to have that rear facing car seat right behind my seat. Of course, my seat, because my Mm -hmm. husband's six, four and I'm five, 10. So of course it's going to go behind my seat. And then I have my knees touching the dashboard for three years while the kid is rear facing. It seriously took us having until we had our third kid to be like, why are we buying these cars with bucket seats? Why do we not have a bench on the second row? So the the, the infant can be rear facing in the middle seat. Mm -hmm. It took us that long to figure that out. And I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this? Like someone could have saved me years of being uncomfortable sitting (laughs) in front of that infant car seat that's rear facing with literally no room in the, anyway. So, I mean, I just feel like the information that you're offering to people is so helpful. Just things like you you said, like, how are you going to get that third that, you know, kids in a car seat in the third row and things that you just don't think about when you're Mm -hmm. having, when you're pregnant with your first child. So do you have some other tips on, you know, what to car buying mistakes to avoid? Um, Car buying mistakes to avoid. I would also say if a mistake that a lot of people don't do is try out the car seats in the vehicle, you know, people Mm -hmm. are always like, Oh, is it rude to ask? And I'm like, no. I mean, as someone who sold cars, you would not, you would not believe the things that people brought to see if they fit in cars. I mean, first of all, I hardly <laughs> ever sold a BMW five series without a man bringing his golf clubs to see if they fit. So like, oh. so, I mean, I've seen fishing poles, I've seen massage tables. I've seen like some things that, I mean, so I've seen this one contraption that I, I don't even want to go with what I think it was, <laughs> but wow. so I've seen it all. So like you bringing your car seat in, to make sure you can get a proper install is not a mistake. So, or is not, is it's not a big deal. So I think not doing that. I think it's also important to, you know, really understand what all of your options are. I think that a lot of the times people get kind of a little bit too like blind loyal to certain brands and they don't always experience or explore what else is out there or feel like, and you know, one of my platforms was I never wanted to, I don't ever want a mother to feel stuck. And I'm, I am totally, I love the minivan moms. I'm not personally a minivan mom yet. Maybe I will be one day, but I just didn't want mothers to feel like if you had three kids, your only option was a Honda Odyssey. I wanted them to be able to just feel like they could had more options than that. Um, So I would definitely say not exploring your options is a mistake people make. Um, And then another mistake, the really the biggest like car buying mistake is that people just are not prepared to buy a car the day they end up buying. And it, I, I'm very passionate about cars, but I'm honestly even more passionate about car buying just mm-hmm. because as someone who has been a young woman in the business selling cars, I mean, I 
can really sympathize and empathize with the women who feel intimidated or taken advantage of in the car buying process, because I feel like the same issues they feel are the same issues that I felt just on the other side of the table. Cause it's, yeah. it's hard to buy a car as a woman and it's hard to sell cars as a woman. So I think, um, but you know, the data tells us that the average car buyer visits 1.4 dealerships before buying a car. So that means most of us are going to buy at the first place we look, which, you know, which I tell people that's fine. Car shopping sucks. Imagine being, imagine it being a one and done situation for you. But what people don't do is I tell someone not to test drive until they're ready to buy, because if yeah. you test drive the car, be ready to buy the You're car. If you love it. So, yeah. And just, yeah. be, just be prepared for that because I'm telling you the new car smell hits. The salesperson tells you it's the best deal only good for today. Like you, you might get sold. So before you put yourself in that kind of compromising position, do your research and really understand what a good deal for that vehicle is because a salesperson telling you it was marked at $40,000 and they took it down to $35,000. Well, what does that even mean? Is it worth $35,000? So before you even go to the test drive, make sure you understand what a good price for the vehicle would be. And I tell my following to get to the dealership, look the salesperson in the eye and be like, listen up, Mike, if I love the car and I love the price, I'm going to buy it today. And just be upfront and transparent with that. The car's not going to cost more if you love it. In fact, I think the car will cost less because you just told Mike, if you like the car, you like the price, you're going to buy it today. So that means, (laughs) that means he knows you're a serious buyer. So you're motivated to spend time with you. And you basically just told him if if he doesn't make the price work, someone else might, because you're going to buy the car today if you love it and you like the price. So Mm -hmm. those would be my mistakes. Okay. So being prepared, I love that. How do you go to a dealership prepared? One of the most important things you can do to ensure you have a better car buying experience is to choose who your salesperson is ahead of time. Okay. So I think a lot of people make the mistake of it's a busy Saturday. I'm just going to roll up to the dealership. They don't schedule an appointment. They don't have a salesperson selected. So then, so then who are you stuck with? Well, you're not stuck with Kelly Stumpy, the best salesman of the month who works by appointment only. So you're not getting the best salesperson there. Instead, you're getting a salesperson who's outside drinking an energy drink, smoking a cigarette, waiting for people to pull up. And like, as so I can say that because I'm in the biz, but like, that's not who we want to work with, right? Why would we want to work with them? Then you're letting them choose you. Then you're letting them make assumptions about you instead of you doing your diligence, choosing a salesperson and scheduling an appointment. So there's, there's a lot of places you can find reviews on salespeople. You can just go on Google and read reviews and notice a person's name who gets mentioned over and over again. There's also Hmm. a website called Dealerator that lets you read reviews about salespeople. You can look at Facebook reviews. So just find a salesperson and then schedule an appointment with them. That will automatically elevate your car buying experience. And then when it comes to like, you know, thinking about negotiating the car deal, I just think the biggest thing that I tell families is that validation is the new negotiation. So if you want to make a lower offer on the car, you have to be able to validate why you're going to make that lower offer. Dealerships spend thousands and thousands of dollars every month to make sure our cars are priced appropriately. So like you rolling in there and being like, well, can you take 2000 off? We're going to be like, no, because we know you didn't drive 250 miles to drive the car that was $2,000 overpriced. So just, if you want to make a lower offer, you have to be able to, my recommendation would be to compare similar vehicles in that price range in your area to see what the Kelly Blue Book value is on the vehicle and just understand what it's worth. But at the end of the day, if if it's a good deal and they don't take any money off the price of the car, it doesn't mean you're a bad negotiator. Yeah. It means you're a good car. It means you're a good car buyer. I mean, really car buying has changed. Customers tell us over and over again, they don't like to negotiate. They don't like to negotiate. So a lot of dealerships, no. not, not all dealerships, but a lot of dealerships have priced our cars more competitively. And we also have to. Yeah. If our car is several thousand dollars overpriced, no one's going to come in our store. 
Totally. I yeah, I have to say that when we we bought a Tesla a couple years ago and I was blown away. I was like, this is like buying an iPhone. This is amazing. Yes. They just like handed us an iPad and they were like, here, pick what you want. The price is what it is. And I was just like, wow, okay. So there's always gonna be some, you know, some more variables in the in the non-Tesla brands because we have to deal with trade-in values and used car vehicles and right. you know, rebates, rebates from the manufacturer. So but overall, a lot more transparent than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I have found that too. And I, I love your suggestion about finding a good salesperson. My husband's all about that. And he likes to like, you know, be their best friend before Mm -hmm. we buy a car from them. So he's definitely on board with that too. And I feel like that has helped us to feel like we're, you know, and, and then too, sometimes when we've dealt with the, like the last dealership that we dealt with, there was someone who just really wasn't willing to spend the time with him or, and, and it's not like he's super needy, but just yeah. kind of blew him off and acted like, oh, you're not my, my priority. And so he went somewhere else and bought our next car somewhere as, else. As because, he should. Yeah. Yeah. So I love those suggestions. I think those are really good. So what about, you know, that I feel like you really speak to the mom, maybe like a single mom or someone who feels like, okay, I did my homework. I did my research. I feel empowered, but I'm still super nervous. Do you have advice for that girl who's showing up to a car lot or car dealership? I really feel like to kind of go back to my last point. I think if you choose a salesperson and maybe even like have some prior calls with that salesperson, like reach out to them, ask them to call you. You have a little bit of a rapport with them. You feel like you have a clear understanding of what your expectations are of each other. I think that if you love your salesperson, there's no reason why you won't feel comfortable in the car buying experience. If you don't love your sales and, and again, like choose the reviews, but then also reach out to them, have a conversation with them, make sure there's good synergy there. But ultimately a salesperson who makes you feel comfortable is who you should buy a car from. Yeah. Because they're, they're supposed to be there for more than just the sale of your car. Cause things happen. Like if something does happen to your vehicle, if you need to get the vehicle service, if you want to buy another car, if you want to build a relationship with somebody, you know, it starts with, with having a great first car buying experience. Yeah. Okay. So educate us a little about trade-ins because I know that's something that you like to talk about, you know, with your followers too. If you're getting ready to trade in a car or if you, if that's something that you're wondering like, well, am I even eligible for that? Am I upside down in a car? You know, what are some of the things or like, if I know I want to go get a new car, I've grown out of this, my family's grown out of it and I'm hoping to trade in a car. What are some of the things that you tell people to be as prepared as they can be? The first thing you should do is, of course, find out what your exact payoff is on your car. So I think a lot of people kind of live in the notion where, oh, yeah, I still owe money. I think I owe about $20,000 on it. And then they go through this whole negotiation process thinking they owe $20,000 on their vehicle and then find out they owe eighteen dollars or find out they owe twenty five. dollars So I think your first step is to find out exactly what your payoff is on your vehicle and then mm -hmm. find out around what your vehicle is worth. So, I mean, a great tool to do that is Kelly Blue Book. I love Kelly Blue Book because it's something that the dealerships use and customers use. So everyone's using it. And okay. it's a good way to, and not that you're always going to get the Kelly Blue Book value because definitely supply and demand goes into what a dealership may or may not offer you. But I think it's a good place to even find out if you're in the ballpark of having equity or having inequity. And then when it comes to, you know, prepping your trade to be a, to, to be professionally appraised by the dealership, I think it just really is important to, I don't think you need to pay for a professional detail or anything crazy like that, but I do think there's a lot <laughs> of 
benefit to vacuuming the vehicle, taking it through a car wash, taking out your trash, and just kind of painting the picture of one that you're serious and that you're you know willing to do things. If you roll up in your yeah. car, if you didn't even attempt to clean out your car, then we don't know, even know how serious of a buyer you really are. And then also, you know, make have make the car look nice. I mean, you're you're becoming the salesperson when it comes to getting your trade appraised. So I think you know, I mean, it can look it can look lived in because I'm sure it is, but just you know, spend a little bit of time and clean out the vehicle. And that really does go a long way. Yeah. This is a funny conversation because the last time we needed to, well, it was returning a lease and my husband had the car detailed and I was like, you did what? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, well, I want to make sure they, you know, they're happy with it or whatever. And anyway, it was a debate for us. So that's funny. But I think a lot of the things that you suggested about, you know, this all feels like it's kind of coming back to the same thing, which is be educated, be prepared, get your ducks in a row, know your numbers. I would love to know about used cars versus new cars. Like, I mean, I know that there's obviously you're always going to get a better deal if you can buy a used car, but are there benefits that you talk to people about as far as buying a new car other than the fact that it's shiny, brand new, and you're the first person to drive it? Yeah. I think when it comes to deciding new versus used, I think you know, some of the benefits of buying new are, yeah, you are the first driver, so you know the history of the vehicle. Typically, you also get more options when buying new because you should be able to, you know, choose color and trim level and engine size and drivetrain. Whereas if you're looking used, we always joke that there's no used car factory. So like, I know you want a white on beige LX470 or LX570 with 40,000 miles on it, but like, okay, like you just can't make that car come out of nowhere. So with new, yeah. you do get to kind of, you know, pick trim level color and things like that. Um, you also typically get better financing rates when you buy a new vehicle and you have a built-in warranty from the manufacturer on new cars. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. Yeah. And I love, I love knowing that, you know, we have a really good warranty on cars too. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, Kelly, I'll tell you the worst decision that we've ever made in our marriage was when I said yes to my husband buying a used Range Rover. It was the worst decision we've ever made. We we owned that car for 30 days and it cost us so much money. Oh my gosh. It was the worst decision. So I've told my, and my husband still loves Range Rovers. And I'm like, we will never buy one of those again. And if we ever do, which we won't, but if we ever do, it's for sure going to be in warranty. A hundred percent. So anyway, but I want to ask you about, are there like kind of, I don't know the right word for it, not an underdog, but do you feel like there are hidden gems? Like, are there, talk to me about maybe a few of the cars that you are like, okay, not the Honda Pilot, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of my mom friends know that car. They love it. They think about it. That's on their radar, but maybe one or two that are not as well known that you're like, maybe look into this. Yeah, I love the Volkswagen Atlas. It is by far one of my favorite, my favorite cars. And, you know, people are always, because I'm in a unique situation because I don't own a vehicle. I just drive a demo car. So everyone's like, well, if you had to buy one, what would you buy? What would you buy? Everyone always wants to know. And it changes. Mm -hmm. But I would say I really, I would definitely put the Atlas on my list of cars to consider. Okay. I think now I've kind of brought a lot of light to it, but I think it was pretty underrated for a while now. There's things I really like about the new Nissan Pathfinder that just launched. I think that's a really great car. Okay. I think the Mazda CX-9 has a lot to offer also. Okay. And those are probably like my, those are probably like my underdogs. Yeah. Okay. Everything else is a, yeah, like you said, like the typical mom cars are very popular right now. Yeah. Is the Palisade 
one of those two like really popular or yeah I, as- I think it's very popular the palisade the, okay the palisade and the telluride and they're both really really good vehicles i'll just my only thing with the palisade and the telluride is one they're very hard to get yeah and the third row is just not that great for car seats so i think it's like mm. I, if i were to buy that car i would not i would not buy that car if i was going to have more than two children and i am so i wouldn't buy it okay Interesting because I was on a mom group the other day, a Facebook group, and I love to just observe and sometimes chime in, but a lot of times just observe mm-hmm. those conversations. And all of these moms were like, I like it better than my husband's BMW. I like it better than our Tesla. Oh, I know. I, I love it. Like, I love it. But I just couldn't love it for more than three. You just, I just think the third row yeah. is really, really bad. Yeah. So, who does the third row really well? Uh, nobody. <laughs> nobody. The Ford Expedition does it really well. Okay, that's about it. Wow. Okay. Or mini. Yeah, that's that third row really is kind of tricky. I feel like we just put like our our younger kids back there who don't care about you know like lake room mm-hmm. yet or mm-hmm. anything. But yeah, there's just I agree that we haven't ever had a third row that's like super ideal. It's kind of just one of those like necessary evils when you have more than mm-hmm. a couple kids. So I have another really interesting, well, it's interesting to me question that I have never been able to ask someone who is as knowledgeable as you. Hit me. We bought a car a few years ago and I thought I was so smart because I did my research and found out about a one pay lease. And I thought I was oh, such no. a genius because we paid like almost nothing in interest and paid it all up front. And I thought I was so smart, but I'm like, why does no one talk about those? Are they, is that actually like a really bad idea? Honestly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why? Um, so two reasons. One, there's no interest on a lease. So you have instead what's called like a money factor, which is a very, very small percentage of the cost to borrow money. So, I mean, it's, it's very small. So you don't really save any money by okay. paying more that by paying more upfront. It's the same. It, it would be like, it's like renting. It would be like paying six months of an apartment up front instead of just paying it over six months. It's the same amount of money. Okay. Um, also, when you lease and you don't own anything, you can get in situations where if you put down that... And I know some... And I mean, it, it may work different per brand, but for the most part, when you, when you do a one-pay lease or if you just put down a lot of money and then you get in an accident, you don't get any of that money back. So like if you put down like $10,000 and you get in an accident month two, well, you didn't own the car. So why you don't get any of the money back just goes away. So it's actually not recommended. And (laughs) I don't, no one talks about it. Yeah. And like I said, I know, I know a lot of manufacturers who don't do it anymore. Can I ask what kind of car you did it on? Yeah, it was an Audi A4. So it's more, it's more popular in the luxury world because, you know, luxury, it's more popular in the luxury car market, but yeah, a lot of people don't do them anymore. So funny. Yeah. I've just always wondered like, why doesn't anyone talk about that? Because I mean, the, the dealership, they must've been for some reason on board with it. Cause they acted like, oh yeah, you're, well, they wanted to sell you a car. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They no, it's fine. I mean, it was a, quite a while ago, several years ago, but just always some, something that I've always yeah. wondered about. So, okay. Tell me also about as far as some of the feedback you've gotten from moms, this is something I really want to know about what, what have been some of the most gratifying interactions or things that make you feel like, yeah, I love doing this. I'm going to keep doing it. Cause I'm really helping people have. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question. I think one of my favorite messages I've ever received 
was from this woman, from this young woman, young mother. And she had a recent, so I've had, I've had two interactions that were really close together that were both really moving. One was from a young mother who had recently lost her husband to cancer and was like, he was supposed to do this. Like he was supposed to be the one to do it. I never thought I could buy a car by myself. And she's like, and because of your tips and you know, the confidence that you instilled in me, like I was able to go buy my first car. And then another one was a similar situation. She was not a mom, but she was just, had just graduated college and he, she had lost her dad to COVID and same thing. She's like, I never thought I could do this without my dad. And I was able to. So I think like, that's just been so like humbling and cool to just see how, you know, me telling you to choose your salesperson, schedule an appointment and, you know, just not only just instills confidence in them, but you know, gives them the tools that they need to really make one of the biggest purchases of their life. So those have been really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's got to be really meaningful to Mm -hmm. hear that, you know, you're helping people with something that although it's a, you know, a material purchase or whatever, it's that's something that is, it's a huge part of your life. Yeah, It's not only getting you from point A to point B, but it's a big financial decision. There's a lot that goes into that. So that's really neat that you have empowered these women to feel like they can, they can still do that. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Do you think you'll do this for a long time? Um, yeah, I think it will look different. You know, I don't know if I really want to be like influencing like into my fifties, but I, <laughs> I really want to grow the car mom to such a level of like, I mean, I truly just want to change the auto space and change how we buy cars and change how women, not only change how we buy cars, but I want to change how manufacturers build cars, market cars. So yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a big vision. I've got a great team of people that helps me because I mean, I could never do it. I could never do what I do alone. So yeah, we have, we have really big plans. That's so cool. And I love that you have this like approved, I can't remember the exact wording, but you, you have like dealerships that are car mom approved now. Yeah. We just launched that program and I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm a little, it's always nervous to like, you know, launch a brand new program and you think like, Oh, are they going to see value? And, but we're, I'm excited to see where it grows and I think it'll be good. Yeah. That's so smart. So basically it's like, if I want to know that, you know, out of all the dealerships in my area, which ones to go to that you have approved of, then there's, you know, potentially a few on the list that will yeah. give me a little bit of a head start. Cause I just feel like a big part of my, cause I'm not, I am not anti-dealership. I mean, my entire livelihood has been built around a dealership. So, and I know how hard some dealerships work and I know how outdated that stigma of the cheesy car salesman is for a lot of dealerships, not for all dealerships, but for a lot of dealerships, we do kind of have this uphill battle of what uh, of the stereotypes around what being a car salesman is like. So I, and it's just my mission to be able to connect my following to some of these amazing dealerships. I have met some amazing dealerships. I've met some amazing sales managers, most of them female who are just like, yes, like we've been trying to tell people this, like we are different and here's why. And like, that's who we should be buying cars from because all of the complaints that people have around car buying could maybe not all, but about 99% of the complaints could be gone if they just choose a great dealership and a great salesperson and a great team of people who wants to take care of them. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. And it's just so nice to feel like, okay, there's a little bit less research on my plate. You know, mm-hmm. I'm starting, I'm, I've got a little bit of a head start. So I love that you're doing that. Okay, this has been so helpful. I feel like it's going to be really useful for so many moms who will listen to this and um, 
will hopefully be able to follow you and all of your great content. I have one last question for you. And that is if there's one message that you want the listener to remember from this episode, what do you want that one message to be? Oh my gosh, that's so much pressure. Um, okay. Hold on. Oh, let me think. Well, I think, can I give two? Yes. Okay. Cause I want to give one that's car specific and then one that's more like entrepreneurial motherhood specific. So I think, I know I've said it, but like, please choose your salesperson. And if you feel like you don't, you aren't having a good experience, write that person a review. It doesn't have to be negative, but write them a good feedback review and choose a different salesperson. Because really like the only way to get the bad ones out of the industry are to let everyone know and to like not give them your business. So if you feel like you were mistreated, don't give them your business. And then from like a motherhood entrepreneurial piece of things I want you to take is just, I think, and we didn't really touch on this, but I'm going to kind of go into it. I think that one of the reasons I love the car mom and the car mom has been so successful is because I finally stopped trying to compare myself to other mothers and compare myself to other career, career women. And I really just focused on what my God given talents were and like, what are the gifts that God gave me? And I've used those gifts, like, cause I, I there's a quote that I love and it's your talents are God's gift to you. And what you do with them is your gift to God. And I've really just mm. like, that's what I try to do. So I'm just trying to use my gifts that he gave me to the best of my abilities to make the biggest impact in the world. And to any mother or woman who's feeling lost in their motherhood, in their personal life, in their career, take a step back, figure out what your gifts are. And then even if they're small gifts, use them to the best of your ability. And I think you will just be amazed with like how fulfilling and meaningful it is. That's a beautiful answer. I love that. Thanks. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, yeah, it's so much of so much of what we deal with as mothers is just that that temptation to compare or to feel less than. And and I love your advice to just, you know, use the talents that God has given you and give that to the world. I love that. So where can people find you, Kelly, if they loved this interview and they want to get more of your advice and follow along? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at the car mom. YouTube at The Car Mom, and my website is thecarmomofficial.com. Love it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kelly. No problem. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh,